Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. y'all it's your friday edition of brother from another it's nat nat fluential and i'm here joined with one of my hoofstresses aman adden and i'm so excited you're here today to host the show with me aman is an nba writer she covers the league at large and the two of us are going to be breaking down what's transpired in the nba over the last two weeks now almost yeah welcome aman Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. So we had all this stuff we wanted to talk about today. And then, of course, as the NBA goes, the news cycle just changed on us. So Woj dropped some news um, just a little while ago that Russell Westbrook is going to be coming off the bench for L.A. And I think we all knew this was coming. Um, But just quick, what are your initial thoughts on that? thought we would get through a whole show without mentioning the Lakers, but here we are right at the top. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I think it's the move. I think it's what had to have happened. You know, I've been hearing a lot of people say, you know, just send him at home. And obviously that did not work. And also this Lakers team does not have the depth to be able to do that. They need bodies at the end of the day. And, you know, as we've seen, I think the Portland game, the closing of that is a perfect example. Uh, they just need more shooting. I'm interested to see who they start in place. So, you know, I, uh, according to, I think it was Dave McMenamin mentioned that uh, at shoot around, it's Damian Jones that's starting in the starting lineup, meaning AD moves to the four. I'd be surprised by that. I would think that they would need more shooting because if you look at the Lakers starting five, no one there can shoot. It's not a Russell problem. Their problem is so much bigger than that. So it'll be interesting to see what Darvin Ham does there. Yeah, I mean, Russ is not too excited about coming off the bench, understandably. And you and I actually had a little back and forth about this on the timeline because you were like, it's essentially a demotion. And I don't know. I don't look at it like that. Like, he's an NBA player. He's going to still keep getting paid the same amount of money. I get it. He'd be coming off the bench. But I just feel like his attitude towards coming off the bench could be a little bit more open-minded if that's going to be the best way to help the team win. But in fairness to Russ, like, I get that it's been a very difficult time in L.A., so he may not be in the mood to be, like, really amenable right now. Yeah, I mean, in terms of it being a demotion, this is a guy, you know, hinting at something that I want to bring up later on, who led the NBA in 
in usage like the history of the league he had the highest usage rate at one point i think moving to the bench and having you know his first bench role since his rookie season kind of feels like a demotion for a guy who's won the mvp i can understand him yeah he's getting paid the same but he's russell westbrook he has the ball in his hands he's helping the move we remember his time in okc uh even his time in washington which was not that long ago it like the the entire trajectory of that team changed because of his play i think he still sees himself as that player and to be told that you're hurting this team and this team is actually better when you when we cut your minutes and we bring you off the bench as opposed to starting it's a little bit of an ego bruise and i understand that are they better though didn't they just lose again without russ you know, like, he's not, like everyone is making him the scapegoat he is somehow the problem to this team this team has lots of problems. Is he one of them? Sure. But like, he's not their sole problem. They're still going to have problems, whether he comes off the bench or whether he stays home. This Lakers team is flawed. And I want to be clear, it's not so much that Russ is a problem, but the roster construction and what Russ can bring to your team is the problem, right? Does it surprise you that LeBron James, who's always like praised for his high IQ, thought that this was going to be a good fit with him and Anthony Davis because traditionally he needs shooters around him. Um, so does it shock you that like this is something that he was all in on? Yeah, I mean, the formula to build around LeBron James is something that's been known for over a decade at this point, right? Like Miami's done it, Cleveland's done it. Um, it just, it doesn't make any sense, this idea that like, oh, Russ said that he would change the way that he's played. I'm sorry, Russ and LeBron have never been great shooters. You don't put both of them together. They don't make sense. Uh, even defensively, he just doesn't make sense for what this team wants to do. I even think that the reports of like, oh, it could have been DeMar DeRozan, another guy who not an elite defender and also can't face the floor. So it's just like the roster construction from this team always kind of seems flawed. But um, I mean, if I look at the way MJ has built teams, maybe superstars can play really well on the court, but they're not really, it's a different skill set to build a roster. Yeah. Are you surprised by how the Lakers have started? Because there are definitely some surprise teams around the league, but I don't know that I'm too surprised that they look like this. No, because the roster's flawed. Like, you're just looking at this team and it makes sense that they're struggling. Like it makes sense that they haven't won the games because they just don't have the talent on paper, which sounds wild to say when they've got two players that, you know, some people might even put in their top five, top 10, top 15. Um, but this NBA is loaded. Like, there's parity up and down. I'm more surprised that the Kings haven't won a game than I am where the Lakers are at. But you know who is a surprise team in the West? The Jazz. <laughs> This is true. This is true. I thought, that fun. They, I thought they were going to be tanking, but they're trying to win. I mean, like, I think this goes to show that it, front offices tank. Players do not tank, right? Like, Laurie Markkinen does not benefit from losing games, and he's been their best player on the court. Jordan Clarkson does not benefit from losing games, and um, it, it's the organization. So we might start to see some people sit out to closer to the end of the season. We might even see some <laughs> trades happen. But I, I think what's sort of different about Utah as a quote-unquote tanking team is they have bets up and down that roster. Like Colin Sexton is also like not a like a kid anymore in this league. Lori Markkinen, not a kid. Jordan Clarkson, 
Mike Conley, like we're talking about actual veterans that they have on their team and veterans win games. Whereas, you know, a team like the Houston Rockets, they've got a lot of young kids. They're also in the, you know, Wembenyama sweepstakes, but they have um, an edge up on Utah in that way because Young guys don't know how to win in this league just yet, but a lot of the Cavs, I mean, a lot of the Jazz do. Just a lot of former Cavs there, that's why the mess up, but yeah. Yeah. Are there any other teams that are surprising you in the West? I mean, Portland, I mean, if you just look at the top of the standings in the West, I don't think it's necessarily, there's some teams there who we wouldn't expect to see. So I think the Blazers are one of them, though Dame just went out, so let's see what happens with them, but... Are there any other teams that are surprising you? Um, the Timberwolves, but not for the same reasons that you're mentioning there. <laughs> um, I thought that they've kind of been a surprise. With the Blazers, though, can I just say, Dame, go out for one week. This is kind of the perfect time. They play tonight, but they don't play again until Wednesday. It's like the NBA kind of play. Like it, it was perfect timing on Dame's part. If you're gonna have a calf strain, do it right now. Uh, if you play for the Portland Trailblazers, but um, I think in the Western Conference, I've been honestly been surprised by the Timberwolves. I thought that they would have a, a stronger start. Spurs, of course, have been another surprise team yes. that have been winning some games on the positive end there. Um, and and out in the East, the Knicks. My goodness. Yeah, the Knicks. The Knicks are definitely a surprise, but. You know who else is a surprise as a player? Your guy, Siakam. <laughs> He's off to an amazing start to start the season. And I know people kind of always just sleep on the wraps or don't pay them attention, but he's having an incredible season. Like, if it keeps up, I know we're only a few games in, but if it keeps up, you know, he's definitely looking at, like, a first team maybe. I mean, he's playing like a first team forward. He's made the second team. He's made the third team. He's only got one more team to make at this point. Uh, he's He's been absolutely phenomenal. In every single game that the Raptors have played, he's been the best player on the court. Um, and, and that includes going up against Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, another sort of surprise team on the bad end. But he, he had 37 points, 10 boards, and 11 assists in that game, or 11 boards uh, and 10 assists in that game. Like a triple-double with 37 points, just absolutely superb. And in this last game against the Sixers, we saw him have his lowest scoring outage, but he had 13 assists, which was an absolute career high. When the What he's shown so far, I guess, to start the year is you can't play him in single coverage. You have to send the double, which is what the Sixers did. And what happened was he just carved them up and got his 13 assists. You also can't sag off of him because he hit four or four threes in the first quarter. He's just doing absolutely everything, scoring everywhere on the court. Um, and it's been a joy to watch. Someone who similarly has been scoring everywhere, Shea Gilders Alexander, I have to give him a shout out for just the start to his season as well. Are you surprised by Siakam's start? No, not not at all. Like this is the first off season that he's had since the championship year. And if you remember post championship year, that's when he had his emergence. That's when he became a second team All NBA forward. That's also when he made uh, the All Star team as a starter. That was the last offseason that he's had. These past two offseasons, he's been having to deal with injuries. The Raptors, of course, have that Tampa season. So for the first time, he's been in the gym, and he was in the gym for the entire summer, working on different aspects of his game and different elements of his game. He's come in. He's an elite defender, always has been. But 
that shot creation, that footwork, that face-up game that people were looking for that he didn't have, the smoothness to his game. I think a lot of the knocks on his game early on has been that it's a bit herky-jerky, that his movements don't seem as fluid. I don't think that that's something that you can say about Pascal Siakam today. He has just been absolutely phenomenal, whether it's getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line, which has been the biggest jump in his game, I would point to. And also, as we've seen in the last few games, stepping out and, and killing people on the perimeter. So if he keeps playing like this, do you think that maybe makes the ceiling higher for the Raptors? Without a doubt. He came into the season saying he wanted to be a top five player. And that's a huge, huge ask. And I said, one of the things that he's going to have to do is show that he can improve his pull-up game, especially from deep and, and extending his range. And that's something, and get to the line. And those are two things that he's done. Um, does it improve the ceiling? Yeah, because I think one of the knocks on the Raptors in years past is who is your number one guy? Um, what do you do when the game slows down and you need to find a bucket and a basket? If Pascal Siakam can prove to be that person, I think that that really bodes well for the Raptors. But it's also not something that's totally needed for this Raptors team, considering they've got all five guys that start for them, that can score, that can play make, and that can create a little bit for themselves as well. Um you know, Gary Trent Jr. was absolutely phenomenal in the Sixers game. He had 27 points. Not a lot of playmaking. You're not going to get that from Gary Trent Jr., but he had 27 points. And he did that because of the attention that Pascal Siakam drew. So what with this Raptors team, what you have is just guys who can absolutely burn you if it's not Pascal Siakam. If he's getting the brunt of your defense, he is so great at passing out of traps and finding the open guy. And the Raptors have all five guys on the court at any given time that can burn you from anywhere along the perimeter and even inside, which is what they're doing. They've had two games already where all five starters have had at least 15 points. That doesn't happen very often in this NBA. It's a very rare thing. A lot of their their numbers in terms of all starting five having 15 points are very similar to Denver Nuggets teams of the past um, and, and teams that just fare well with a more egalitarian offense, but they still have that one star, which is a unique, unique build for this team. And I'm really excited to see what they can do this year. Yeah. I know you kind of brought up him being the best player on the court in a lot of the games you played. I know we're going to get into this a little bit later with one of our guests, but um, outplaying Kevin Durant. I mean, the Nets are a surprise team in a different direction. What's up with them? Their defense. <laughs> like, is it's just it been I mean, they, they have a defensive rating of like 120 right now, which, you know, is on pace for the worst defensive rating of all time in the NBA. <laughs> like, it has just been bad. They cannot contain guys. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, what did they have last night? A combined 73 points. I think it was 37 and 39 points for them, respectively. And they lost that game, and they did it because – they could not stop Luka. They could not stop the Utah Jazz. I think Utah Jazz. The Dallas Mavericks, look at me. Um, and, and that's just how, that's just the story of their entire season. It's been, you're going to get tons of offense from Kyrie Irving. You're going to get tons of offense from Kevin Durant. No one else is really going to contribute very much outside of that. And then they're not going to be able to stop anyone. And that's, you can't have two guys in the NBA. We've seen it with the Lakers. We're seeing it with the Nets. You need a full team. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to talking uh, about the Nets a little bit more when we have Siobhan coming on later, because I know she has some thoughts about the East. Ooh. All right, we'll be back. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. So, Steph Curry was breaking ankles last night, and y'all know that makes me happy. Wardell is off to a hot start. I think he's an early MVP candidate, although no one else is talking about him yet. Looking forward to my next guest coming on, Marcus Thompson. He knows all about the Warriors. If you don't know Marcus Thompson, he is one of my favorite NBA writers. Oakland native. He is the definitive source for anything you want to know about the Warriors. I also consider him a friend and a mentor. Welcome, Marcus. Yeah, and what do you mean by favorite NBA writers? You mean favorite people, favorite humans? Both. Right? Okay, good, good, good. Are you trying to put me in a box? I'm going. Don't, don't listen. Don't come up here with drama. So, what was up with the game last night, Steph? He just felt like embarrassing hero. What was up with that? You know, they were hunting Tyler, right? And Steph is such a psycho now. Like, he's such a maniac that if you let him switch on to if you let him do that, he's going to kick you. Like, no question. Uh, it really, you know, really stood out. Steve Kerr talked about it after the game. Like, he's 34. He's supposed to be slowing down. You can't keep Seth in front of you anymore. Like he's blown, he blew by Jimmy Butler with like an around the back dribble. He's on his driving game. Like it, that's the part of his game that keeps getting better. This idea of him slowing down. If you watch him play, he's getting stronger. He looks a little bit quicker, and he can get to the rim basically at will. Uh, and if you just aren't a good defender, he will put you on stage like he did Tyler. Yeah, he's off to a really good start. One of his best starts in his career. Would you agree? Absolutely. We're, we're, we've seen the Steph come out of the blocks four for 27, right? We, we know how that rolls. But he, he's he's on fire a bit. The only, the only time he didn't score 30 was the Phoenix game, and Phoenix was determined to take him away. So he ended up with 21. And, you know, the other thing he's doing, Matt, is he's passing the ball, right? He, he, I know people love assist numbers, and they love, like, the counting stats. So it's weird to say, like, oh, Steph is racking up the assists because so much of what he does doesn't really count in the assist category. He just draws the double, the double that sets up the pass, the least of the pass. But and so far, he's getting the actual, like, assist based on the way they're playing him. And that speaks to the ability to finish better, right? Looney's finishing better. He, we're seeing the... The Wiseman lines, right? Like we're we're seeing a little bit of rookie stuff when he's out here dropping dimes. Jordan Poole, he's playing with, and even Draymond is uh, off to a good offensive start. So he he's looking like top shelf Steph Curry right now. Indeed, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, Oman. <laughs> Uh, we were just we were just talking about how you can't win with you guys, right? We're looking at the Lakers, we're looking at the Nets, and they're struggling. And I think something that the Warriors have done really, really well is invest in who's next up, so that they can continue to have you know their two iterations of the team: the young guys and then the vets that are winning them the championships. I want to say you know there's been a lot of talk on Kaminga and Wiseman starts. What do you make of it? 
Yeah, Kaminga hasn't started yet, right? To me, the Wiseman and Moody uh, are the ones that are kind of like, okay, you, you might actually have something here. Uh, and Wiseman's so raw, right? You just, just give him six months of basketball. You can already see it kind of coming together. But Moody is looking really well, right? He's looking like somebody you could plug in. He can play with the backups, but to me, the key, if you really want to be somebody with the Warriors, you got to be productive with the stars, right? It's cool to get that six minutes with the bench guys, but if you can't play with the starters, then you can't really play for them. Because come playoff time, that, that rotation, it's going to be nine deep. You know, we, we saw it last year. It was Otto Porter and Gary Payne second, and maybe the Monty Bielitzer. That's, that's how they roll. So to me, Moody is looking like somebody who can play with anybody. I still think you got to count Jordan Poole in that. We're seeing him deal with like teams are like, yeah, we we know who you are, Jordan. You're not sneaking up on us. They're throwing some stuff at him. But to me, uh, we got to talk about Andrew Wiggins, man. Like that's the third star. Like you as said, a Canadian, to not him. bring him up, I feel I feel like I've disrespected my entire country. And Is he going to be their second best have. player this season? <laughs> no, thanks. Like. Wiggins had 18 and 10, and it was like, oh, um, it's what he does. Like, this dude is crashing the board. He's gotten to the point, and this is tough to do. We've seen guys come to the Warriors and can't do this. He got to the point where Steph on the court, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and he don't think twice about taking his man. Now, the other guys come in, it's like, should I shoot it? It's that, I don't know. There's some hesitation. Wiggins has gotten to the point where it's like, yo, sit call on me, this is my bucket, I got this. And they've been waiting for that. This is the Wiggins they thought they were getting at when, it, when he first came. Like, please come in and take over. And now he's to the point where he's doing that, but he's also rebounding, he's also defending. Like, Wiggins is gonna be an all-star again. I know. We thought that was a fluke. Like, Wiggins no. is an all-star player. Like, this is who he is now. He's got that championship glow, like, it might be, oh yeah, he might be the second best player too. I've started the campaign. <laughs> for MVP? MVP no, for, well, both. Oh, MVP <laughs> and All-Star Wiggins. Definitely for MVP. We're weekend, but like, <laughs> I've done the same thing for Siakam, so I can't even judge. <laughs> Mark, there was... I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> there was some recent... <laughs> Recent news about the Warriors and their new valuation, seven billy. Um, on top of the Lakers. On, on top, top of, of the Lakers Knicks? and the Knicks. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you, you know you gonna feel me on this one. Like I'm from Oakland. Yep. Right. I grew I grew up in this. Uh, my 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 dad and I we used to watch Warriors games and it was fun to me because he would get so mad at them. Because they were just like, can't get right. They were perennially like going to blow the game, right? Everybody knew this. If they were up in the third quarter, you were prepared for heartbreak. <laughs> like, this is what, what was going to happen. This was the most moribund franchise. Like, this, it was it was awful. And in the area where you had the Raiders who won Super Bowls, you had the 49ers that won Super Bowls, you had the A's and the Giants that won World Series, right? The Warriors were the ones that couldn't get it together. So to think that you fast forward not even 20 years and they're the most valuable franchise in the league, more valuable than the Lakers, more valuable than the Knicks, that's kind of insane. And to me, in 20 years when we talk about this, 
I think we will credit Seth Curry. Like I already do. This is how this is how huge he is. Do we have like, to wait? Yeah. No, nah, I don't think people get it. Like Andre Iguodala like, asked the it. question. Yeah, I mean, like, like this dude is huge to the point where he's really lifted a franchise he did not want to go to and made them the most valuable franchise in the league. When they brought to him, the entire Curry camp was begging the Warriors to pass him so he could go to the Knicks. Like the Knicks was some kind of a good friend. That's how bad the Warriors were. The Knicks looked like a step up. Right, he was like, "Yo, put me in the lower class because I don't want to be in the slum." That's how he viewed going to the Warriors, and now they're number one. It's kind of crazy, and I don't think we've seen anything like this before. Not in this time frame. This all happened under Steph Curry. It's not like it was trending that way. It was going that way. It was not at all happening. It was not happening. And then Steph Curry got good, and boom, it takes off. Right? To me, I, I feel like it's one of the the great sports stories that we've ever seen. For somebody who's coming from this, the Warriors were awful. Awful. The owner was booed at the All-Star game. That's how bad it was. So I don't think people I don't think people fully understand what has happened here uh, and, and the transformation that has happened. It's actually kind of surreal. Uh, and I must say that, you know, they, they did leave Oakland, so we had OB2 hyped about that several billion. Because it would have been 10 if they would have stayed in the town. You feel me? <laughs> I feel you. Um, <laughs> I think people forget that, though, right? Because like, some people sort of start to revise their history in terms of, like, what the franchise was when Steph got there, you know? And I think it's important to remind people what the Warriors franchise was before and what it is now and what that's due to. Um, has, like, you know, I know old school Warrior fans still have this, like, man, we used to be bad for so long. But are they starting to, like, embrace what the Warriors are, like, fully now? Because the newer fans, they're, like, cocky. But some of the old school fans are not like that. It's still a little bit surreal. I mean, I'm talking about people off Twitter, right? Twitter is where you just have to that overreact exists? to stuff. <laughs> right? I want to be able to The real world does exist? I want to be able to, oh, no, the real world. I want to be able to look at Twitter like that. Like, you go, yeah. you talk to people. Like, I didn't go to last night's game because I was speaking at a, at a middle school. And you start talking to the people. All the people are like, yo, can you believe this? People are still like, like, this is crazy. This is wild. This happened. This happened while people are still alive to remember how bad it was. Like, so it's still really, John, these things don't tend to happen that fast. So the people, yeah. like you said, there are some people who don't remember the Warriors, right? There are some people who don't remember. When I when I started covering the Warriors, Mike Montgomery was the head coach. Right? <laughs> people don't even remember that. Demarcus Nelson actually was a starting point guard on one, one of the opening nights. He played two games and never played the league again, but he was from the area, right? So, like that, Mark Curry, who's an actor, signed a 10-day contract to play for the Warriors. Like, that's how bad it was. They got a sitcom dude to come play because nobody, nobody was coming to the game. And it was a cool gimmick, right? Like, So I think the people, like the, the, the real world people are still kind of like, wow. And still a little bit like, why did they leave? But it's still really jarring. All these little milestones just keep reminding you, like, this is kind of crazy. But like you're right. The new fans, the people who started in 2015, like, this is all they know, right? They're, they're entitled. They're trust funds. But even younger fans, right, in Oakland, like the ones who are just newer and younger and maybe weren't into them before. 
Nah, they, they, but don't, also, like, they, they don't they don't know about the struggle. It feels like it's been for like it, it it's interesting to hear because I remember being on Twitter and people were like, Monte or Steph, who do they keep? And it's just like to think that that was fairly recent because it just feels like the Warriors have been that team for a million years at this point, but that's really not the case. That's um, funny you bring that up. Monte versus that was like an actual debate. That was a debate. Like, <laughs> a real like debate. Like to the point where they made the trade, they booed the owner and, and his and his wife was mad at him because Monte was a star. That was that was life as a Warriors fan. If you got somebody who you could complain didn't make an all-star. Not an all-star, but somebody you could make a case for, that dude was a legend, <laughs> right? Like, Jason Richardson was never, like, an all-star, but he was close, and he would give the all-stars some problems, right? So that made him a legend. Jason he was Richardson there on Saturday night at the very least, you know? At you least know there on Saturday night. <laughs> after we celebrated dunk contest, right? Like, Michelle Stewart. <laughs> As a Raptor fan, same. <laughs> As a that's, who we were. that's who we were it's 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 actually kind of crazy and it, it's Steph it's Steph it's who it is it's Steph yeah Nobody I was gonna say as as the Warriors have evolved Steph has evolved or those two kind of go hand in hand so you even hear him kind of like speaking up more than he sh- like not more than he should but more than he used to what did you think about like the way he defended in a way, Clay, in response to the remarks from Chuck. And, um, you know, Clay said that he was kind of hurt by, you know, Charles saying he's not the same player. And then Steph had a little quote, like, you know, sometimes players don't remember. Yeah. What did you think about that? To me, this is the part that I'm loving and I'm looking forward to. Like, Steph is 34 years old, which is in basketball, is like 80. And... He he to that point for his career that I want to get to in my life where you just don't care no more, right? <laughs> where you just stop caring and you don't say what you think. Like, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to be old enough so I don't care at all. I'm walking out here with Mitch Maxstock, right? I don't I don't care about nothing. Steph is getting there as a basketball player. And to me, I love it. Because he's got a lot to say. I think he understands who he is in a way that he didn't always. It a lot of this for much of his career was still like awestruck about it. Like I, I remember when Drake would come to games and he would be like, yo, Drake let him get it. You know, like that, like Obama wants me to come play golf. It was all like, yo, I can't believe this is happening. But now he's like fully leaned, like this is who he is. So I think he's getting comfortable. He's getting more and more comfortable saying what he wants to say. And it's still, veiled in like the Steph Curry package of I'm always be a version of respectable and professional. So, you know, but if he ever gets to that Kobe era where it's like, yeah, I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm just going to pop off, right? I'm, I'm here for all that. Because Steph, Steph took a lot for years and it would be, he would have some say to get back. I love this part. I love it. I'll be placed for 38 because then we get four years, especially when he knows like, yo, this is it. I'm not playing after this contract, so I really don't care. I want that step. I want you to talk that talk. I want to hear what you got to say. I want you to come back. And don't don't come back with threes. Like, come back with, with comments, preferably into my recorder. For sure. I love that, Steph. You know I'm all about the arrogance. Marcus, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. You know you got to come back. 
I need you. We need you to discuss the wars with us. I'm just glad you remember me. That's all. I just hope, Yvonne, be careful. You know, she, that, that is like, she's, she's blowing up. I, you know, star, like, she's just a star. Her star's blind Thank right you. Now. We don't need to talk about me anymore. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanette. I am so excited for my next guest because we are going to talk about the East and all the teams that are struggling. The Sixers are the top one, but the team that she covers is one of them. So I'm so excited to get into this conversation with one of my fellow hoopstresses, Siobhan Beslow. Siobhan, how you feeling? Hi, Nat. Hi, Iman. I'm so glad we're here. Oh my gosh, so happy to have both of you on with me. But Siobhan, let's get into it, because the East, there's some surprise teams in the East. Let's start with the one that you covered, though, because Siobhan is with the Miami Heat beat. She covers the Heat. She's also a former player. She knows how to break down the game better than anyone else. So she's about to bless us during this segment. So happy again to have you on. So Thank you for having me. What happened with uh, the Heat last night and uh, the Warriors? I mean, it was a close game for a large yeah. part of the game, but then Steph just did what he does in the fourth, and I don't think the Heat were able to match it. But Tyler Tyler Hero had a moment. We just talked about it with Marcus. I don't know if you got I the chance I saw the Chiron. That was rude. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. So, yeah. So, but, like, tell us, like, what's going on with the Heat? They're struggling. So, yeah, so we're, we're struggling, and I don't know that our struggles are the same as some of the other Eastern Conference uh, teams that are struggling. Um, so the so Miami largely brought back their, their their same group. We lost PJ, but for the most part, we, we brought back the same group. Um, but what has changed is different people are, they're different lineups. Different people are in different roles than they were in before. And while you may bring back the same people, changing roles changes the team a bit. It's like, you know, being at a job and getting a promotion, like you're still with the company, but you're asked to do different things. And now the people that were underneath you are asked to do different things as well. Um, and I think some of, I think some of what at least I've seen uh, to start the season is um, a little bit of unsure of our identity offensively right now, right? I think that, so, you know, Tyler got his extension, Tyler got the bag, shout out to him, you know, get your money, young man, but, but, in doing that, he's been elevated. His role has changed. He's not a six-man anymore. He's not your six-man of the year anymore. You're a starter now. And, and shout out to, to Tiffany Meeks. Um, me and her, we talk a lot, and, and she brought it up, right? Like, Tyler has brought a, a six-man of the year mentality or kind of mindset to the starters, and that doesn't really work that way. When you have a score, you know, you, you, you definitely want to feed the hot hand. But in a starting lineup, you are better served moving it around and letting everyone else get engaged, feel lively. Um, and, and that's how you kind of create this like avalanche of, of overwhelming momentum where you don't know who it's coming from. And I think in the first couple of games, uh, we saw a, a little bit of, of Tyler asserting himself in a way that um, I think kind of took away or, or stymied the rest of the starters a little bit. Um, and 
I think over the last couple of games, so the Portland game and, and even last night, I think they, they've adjusted a little bit how it is that they want to uh, attack teams offensively. Um, I've kind of wanted Tyler to, to approach being in the starters a little bit the way that Jimmy does. Uh, much to the chagrin of, of some Heat fans, Jimmy oftentimes um, waits a little bit longer to, to kind of get himself engaged because he's trying to make sure that everyone else is and, and, is, and is coming along with him. Um, and Tyler has the playmaking ability. He's, his intelligence is growing. And so I, I've wanted him a little bit to come off the ball and, and, and move it around. And you saw that in the Portland game. Um, they got out to a good start, but it felt like it was a, a unit. Um, and, and even last night, I, I think they got off to a similar start. Now, when that happens, his particular numbers uh, dwindle a bit, but it kind of feels like a little bit for the better of the team. Um, he's deserved to start. Um, and I know the injury and, and Victor Oladipo still not being healthy and having someone to back Tyler and to uplift the rest of the bench. Um, that's not Tyler's fault. And it, it's unfair to, I guess, punish him in that way. But, you know, this is kind of the matter of what it is. So, yeah, yesterday was a close game. Um, it, it felt very businesslike. Like it didn't feel like there were a lot of shenanigans. You didn't really see too much like trash talking from from either group. Um, it felt very like we respect the people across from us. And then yeah, like you said, Steph came out and, and, and did what Steph does. And um, yeah, he snatched Tyler's ankles, you know, that one time, and that was unfortunate. <laughs> but that happens, you know. Steph Steph Curry is one of the the best ball handlers, especially you know, definitely of this generation. And um, you know, he. There's not much that you're going to do. We sent two to him, and he gave that uh, that like hook pass out of the double. And now we got Draymond in the middle distributing to Wise and Loon. And Miami won't play two bigs for whatever reason. We won't play our young guy with Bam. So we're we're still in a I guess a tinkering phase of of what we look like right now. But I do think they've turned a little bit of a corner. I think they've um, established a little bit of their identity and how they want to attack offensively. So. We'll see, and and I hope that that stays. Yeah, I know Aman and I were talking about like some of the teams in the East and and how they were looking, and so the Heat. We talked about how they're looking. We we brought in. We started with like the Sixers and like Doc. Like there's rumors about him potentially getting fired, and the Sixers are not looking good. I don't know, like. Amon, did you have any thoughts for like or questions for Siobhan about what's going on with the, the Heat or the Sixers? Yeah. The Sixers? We could do Sixers. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Sixers are an entire mess, right? Uh, I think I think there is a lot of role definition too. I think the the point that you brought up about the Miami Heat, I think, is a very salient point. It makes a lot of sense that you are bringing Tyler into the starting lineup. You are shifting everybody's roles, and we're looking at the Sixers team, and there's been some shifts in some roles. Matisse Thibel, cut. <laughs> Not a part of the rotation. Their perimeter defense, absolutely horrid. Their transition defense, I think worst in the league currently. Um, and, and we're seeing sort of the growth from Maxi. but what does that leave for uh, a guy like Tobias Harris? Does that, you know, make him what, the, the fourth option, the fifth option sometimes it feels like? What are you looking at when you see the Sixers and see their biggest issue? Do you think it has to do with role definition similar to Miami? And wait, wait, I think before so. you, I'm sorry, Siobhan, just before you answer that, could you take into account too, I want to know, because you mentioned your issues are different than the rest of the teams in the East that are struggling. So when you're responding to Amon, can you just like also let us know like why it's different? 
Well, so maybe, so with the, the Philly comparison, um, if there is only one difference, it is that I don't think Spo feels any fire under his seat. Um, Miami is a, an organization that's, that's pretty close-knit. They're, they're well-run. Spo feels like, it feels like he has that job for as long as he wants it. Um, and on the other side of that coin with Philly, um, it feels a little bit like there, you know, there's some hot, there's some fire under, under Doc's seat. Um, you know, you have this talented roster, you have a, a generational big man, you have who people consider to be generational and James Harden. So your expectations are like, you get people consider like, to be generational. Like, shh, shh, shh. Was that a shot? Um, no. Um, I don't know. We can talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah. They, they have a lot of stuff, and so it's a lot of pressure on Doc to kind of put together. But I do think some of their struggles early on have been um, establishing a bit of an identity, too. Uh, you talk about a guy like Tyrese, who a lot of people have in a similar tier with uh, with with Tyler and, and a Jordan Poole. Um, and I love that Golden State. And, and they have the, the starters, of course, that keep – Jordan, you know, in his kind of bench role, they gave him his money, but he they maintained his role. And I think, like you said, you see uh, Tyrese Maxey kind of getting off a bit. But yeah, someone like a Tobias, I don't know, suffers, but uh, becomes uh, a little less of a thought. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think a lot of their struggles are the same. Their defensive issues um, have to improve. I don't know how committed they are to the defensive end, but they have to be. Um, Miami is a team who, for as much as we want to try to lean into this offense right now, Miami's built its calling card on, on being defensive-minded and, and strong and you know tenacious and all of these things. And for their offensive struggles, they've had a lot of defensive struggles too. So um, maybe the only difference right now with Miami and, and Philly is what I feel to be coaches' pressure. But... Um, I do think that there are some similar issues with with regards to establishing how it is that we want to play to get through the the, the regular season. Miami has seen Jimmy have to do a lot of what we've asked playoff Jimmy to do, and that was not the goal. Like we're supposed to be lessening his load through the first 82 so, you know, he can be uh, heroic Jimmy come playoffs or whatever. So I, I think there is some difficulty there or, yeah, some difficulty there with regards to identity. The Nets, I'm not really sure. You, I, I watched the segment earlier, and I think that a lot of their, like you said, Iman, is some defensive stuff. You get, like, almost 80 points out of your, your top two horses, but you can't, you know, you're not really stopping people. You give up 100 Yeah, But like, Ben Simmons <laughs> is supposed to be their third guy, and he's supposed to help on the defensive end. So, like, what's, what's going on with that? You get him one defender. You can't have one defender. A team is not built on one person alone. And it's like, yeah. who else do they have? Royce O'Neal kind of maybe like a little bit of a reputation of having one more so than I think of being a great perimeter defender. So it's just like, what else do you have out there? I was told Kevin Durant is a good two-way player. Look at you, I was told. <laughs> I mean, that's what what the are, these are shots at the 2013 Oklahoma City Thunder? I think it was 2012. I think I've been broken up at that point. I mean, KD has we've the gotten length. Russ, he has we've the... gotten Harden and KD. KD has the length. He has the IQ, you know, to be defensive-minded, but he also has to do so much for them offensively. It, it, 
collectively it does take more than one or a couple pieces. You know, you need to be on the string. We need to be able to account for each other rotation-wise, matchup. I need to know, you know, kind of where you're digging at, where I I need to pre-rotate all of that type of stuff. So, no, you can't, you're not going to defend any NBA team with with two defenders. For sure, but I guess, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, we know that the Nets are going to be a bad defensive team. I would imagine that they should be better than having 120 defensive efficiency. But looking at the Heat and and the Sixers, they both kind of, especially in the starting lineup, you talk about it with bringing Hero in. Nats talked about it with Steph picking on him there. Um, Maxie is another one. Harden is another one. Which, between the Heat and the Sixers, do you trust defensively moving forward? Like, which of these two teams that have maybe struggled early on defensively do you think would rebound uh, as the season moves along? Are you asking me or are you asking that? The floor. Oh, I, I and it, it's not a biased thing. It's not a homer thing. I genuinely uh, trust Miami more defensively only because it has been their identity for so long. Um, they, again, they can't afford to not lock in defensively because I don't know that, that is a roster that has the offensive talent that you see a lot of teams have. So it has to be Miami of the two of them who's going to decide, you know, we're, we're playing defense, we're locking in. And they have the principles, they have the bodies to do it. Um, they just have to kind of commit to it and, again, continue to figure out how it is that they need to adjust to account for, um, you know, the different lineups. We, we have Tyler starting now, so you're seeing – like his flank defenders, they're digging a lot in, in anticipation to help him, but teams are moving the ball, and, and now we're in help and recover and rotation type of situations like that. But of the two, I trust Miami to do it better um, because they have to, and they historically have been able to. Yeah, this is a fascinating topic. We're going to have to get you back on so we can talk some more about it because I want to still kind of dig in a little bit more on the Nets, but, you know, we don't have time today. <laughs> so bad. thank you, Siobhan, for coming on. <laughs> They're bad. Just leave it there. Easy. We're going to leave Just it there for now. Too many characters. They're bad. Just cut it out. <laughs> no. Take care. Sounds have like a great weekend. Done easily. Thank you, of course. Y'all too. Yeah, so there is no truth to the rumor that Michael Holly isn't here today because he's coming off his first losing week on My Bet's Your Money. Still, he managed to give us his NFL winners against the spread for this week's games. So if you're inclined, he likes the Eagles, Giants, 49ers, Bills, and Bengals this week. We'll see if he gets back on track. Maybe I could do a better job of teaching him how to take care of his body, you know, diet and everything. So that'll be on me. Um, I know y'all think it's funny up here when he talks about Popeyes and all that shit. You know, that that doesn't that doesn't make me happy to hear, you know, we're high level athletes, so um <laughs> This is not a funny topic, Aman. Um, because I know that for like health purposes and considerations, that's why cat was saying what he was saying about Popeyes, but it just turned into this whole thing. And I love to just, I don't know, there was a tweet on, on Twitter that tickled me. Popeyes chicken tweeted, like basically in response to cat's <laughs> comments saying like, despite what your teammates say, there we go. Good luck to every high level athlete who eats Popeyes, regardless of what their teammates say. I mean, this is hilarious. 
No publicity is bad publicity. I mean, uh, yeah, they definitely needed to hop on that. It was a weird comment by Kat, though, was it not? Like, no one asked him about Ant's diet. No one asked him what he thought about Ant. Like, it was unprompted to just be like, yo, it doesn't make me happy. Like, okay, Kat, tell that to him, you know? I know, and then, like, I don't know if it was related or why, but then, like, I saw something, like, Jason Tatum is, like, not going to eat Popeyes, and I'm like, is this going to be a thing all season, talking about Popeyes? Yeah, yeah, I, it definitely, it, it definitely is. Hey, I mean, no publicity, bad publicity. Popeyes is loving this right now, right? Like, they're like, tell your teammates not to eat Popeyes. Do you think after, like, a bad game, from Kat and she's gonna like bring Popeyes for the rest of the team. Like, do you think that they're going to make this a thing? I, uh, no I hope idea. so. Like, <laughs> it's content. We love content over here. <laughs> what it's worth, I love me some Popeyes chicken. I'm not at Beyonce stage yet where she gave it up because she used to love some Popeyes too. But... She became vegan. I can't do that. Yeah, I'm not going there. But listen, shout out to the people that eat Popeyes, but also if you do it in moderation to watch your health. I get, you know, what Kat's point was. But I also, when he... tell your teammate, maybe instead of just addressing it to the public unprompted. Yes. And I think maybe he has some other things he needs to focus on um, in, uh, you know, Minnesota more than uh, Popeye's. Quick last thoughts, like very quick on the Minnesota. What do you think? They're going to turn it around and get it going? I mean, they need to. Um, it, 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 Ant has already said that he prefers playing small. You can't play small when you have the biggest front court in the league right now. I, there, there are bigger issues there. I think we're starting to see some cracks and some seams. Like, it's a joke and we're laughing at it. But we're starting to see some issues in terms of, like, personalities in that locker room. They lost their leader, which sounds right. odd to say, but he's out, he's out over in Los Angeles. They lost who was their leader. It's a talented team. I think they have the pieces. I and think they, they figure it, it out. They need to because they, they put a lot of money into Rudy, so they better do it. Higher expectations this season, right? Tons. Tons. Come I mean, on. they gave up so much. Thank you for joining me this weekend. Have a great weekend. You as well. It's Thanks. so much fun. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.